Live from the Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar inside the Treasure Island Hotel and Casino, it's Throw the Flag. The one and only Revo, Ryan Grim Reaper Reeves. How are you, Ryan? I'm good. I'm here. With your hosts, Gooch. Has there ever been a situation where you beat up a dude? on the ice and then later on in your career you find yourself on the same team with the guy and the question i had is, is who should be the one to extend the olive branch first is it the ass whooper or the ass whoopee and willie ramirez uh well the ass whoopee because if he doesn't extend he might get his ass whooped again so <laughs> i would say that the whoopee every time on espn las vegas and let it play what's going on guys Throw the flag back again. Gooch, Willie Ramirez, live from the Golden Circle Sportsbook, Treasure Island Hotel and Casino, where, by the way, you can have free parking and a tram to tomorrow's game when our Las Vegas Raiders take on the Arizona Cardinals. Willie, what's going on, brother? I'm just grooving to Edwin Starr. It's, I've been up all more. I've been up, you know, since most everybody that's around us right now, people in this casino, unless they've been out pulling all-nighters. But I'm fired up. I'm ready to go. It's a big sports weekend. It is a major first, monster. I mean, first off, like, let's not forget what's going on tonight. You've got Canelo and Triple G. That's huge. Tomorrow, tomorrow is Wait, whoa, where it's really whoa, whoa, all about. Whoa, 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 whoa. Skipped over the UNLV Oh, the UNLV Rebels, of course. Jeez, UNLV please. Rebels. I'm just saying, I was on the strip last night, and, dude, it was crazy traffic over at the MGM because whenever Canelo's in town, it's going to be bonkers. But, yes, of course, our UNLV Rebels, they take, uh, they're take they taking on North Texas tonight. I mean, not tonight, but later on today. Tomorrow you got the Raiders taking on the Cardinals, and then Las Vegas Aces taking on Connecticut. WNBA Finals, giant sports weekend. Did I leave anything out? Uh, other than the fact that Life is Beautiful is going on downtown. <sighs> so you add that to the mix. We have royalty that just walked up, and he's going to be joining us in a little bit. Uh, I mean, we got a jam-packed show to go with sports weekend. I mean, I'm talking, when I say, like, last week we talked about, like, it being, like, the potentially our best show. Mm-hmm. This one is, like, jam-packed. We're talking, like, we got executive director from the Las Vegas Bowl, John Sassanti, in the house. We have Caleb Herrig. We have David Brandt talking Cardinals Raiders. He's an AP writer from Arizona. We got Marcus Arroyo going to sneak in for a quick little sneaky. He's a little sneak in, in there, before you. the game. We got former Raider defensive end, the all-time sack leader, Greg Townsend. And then we're going to close it up. We're going to hear from Christopher Chapman to talk a little bit about North Texas as he gets ready for his pregame show, UNLV North Texas. I mean, it's jam-packed. So were you just out of town? Were you driving into town? No. Doing stuff. Now, here's the thing. You love comedy. Yeah. And when you go long distance, you like watching the comedy specials, correct? I mean, listening well, to the comedy specials. Well, it's not – It's not. It's not when, when you say long distance – it's not necessarily uh, drive. I live in Aliante, mm-hmm. so it's it's a distance for me to drive. But I have to like driving into town to do this show. I have to listen to comedy because I'm with like a full fledged comedian. Ah. Like you just got done doing a comedy I club, did, I, so I drive in and I pick who el- who like who who brightens me up. And in the mornings, I love listening to Angela Johnson. Okay, like I do you know she's coming here? Yes, she's coming here in November. Yes. She's coming here to the Treasure Island. I Aces want her on comedy. the show. I want her on the show. I, I messaged her on Instagram. She gave me her contact's name. I reached out to her. She reached back. She wants a full-blown like outline, like what we want to talk about, how we want. And I'm going to detail it in being the professional writer that I am. I'm going to detail how, what, why, because 
I love Angela Johnson. I think she is great. Well, I think she brings something to the table. Anybody that reaches the upper echelon like she has is definitely coming with a different flavor, and it's going to attract people. That's her gift to comedy. Now, I have been doing stand-up comedy for over 20 years, and I've been doing radio for over 20 years now. And, Willie, as you know, when you do stand-up comedy and radio, that means you have no real-life skills to apply to the career world Mm. outside of that. Like if radio like and com- sports journalist. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> if radio and comedy dies, I'm going to make no money. So I took a career test, mm. and it was only like $1.99. I signed up, and I'm going to tell you, Willie. You tried I, to suck me into this. I did. Yeah. I did. I actually tried yeah. to get you involved in this scam. So here's yeah. the deal. It says $1.99. You take the test. I'm like, all right, great. I'll find out how smart I am, right. figure out what career field I could be in in case everything falls apart. Right. Uh, well, of course, I wait seven days. They hit me up with a $30 charge. And I paid $30 basically to find out that the other careers that I could be good in, actor, mm. all right, not very good for a 43-year-old man to start chasing his dream of being an actor, okay. floral designer. I don't even know what that is. Floral designer, model, again, 43 years old, starting to bald, can't happen. Animal trainer, what? Animal, not like dog trainer, animal trainer. Tigers, medical secretary, host and hostess at a restaurant. Yes, 43 years old, starting my career at Chili's, being a host. And a tree trimmer and pruner. I mean, Willie, I wanted you to take this test so bad just so I would find out if there was anything else that we could make fun of but there is nothing dude dude i am completely overshot where where the world wanted me to be i don't know i'd like to just like think where like given what i've done in my lifetime i can only imagine what would come up on that i mean i i just gosh i don't know what the statute of limitations are for certain things that i should (laughs) i guess what i might be you know get what what this app may tell me that i may could do what I'm qualified to do. Well, I am qualified to be a farm worker, farm, ranch, and aquacultural animals. I'm, I'm, I'm qualified to work with dolphins and porpoises. I think that I would qualify to be like, so like I drop, I drop my, my puppy off, right? He's going to be two in, in March, but he's still like, he's a, I got a dachshund. Right. But I have oh. the coolest, sportiest, most athletic, like, Obviously, most my, athletic. Yeah, my, my How much can you bench, bro? I, well, I mean, he he hikes mountains with those little <laughs> legs, but like, so when you drop them off, there's a there's a girl up front with the with the earpiece and she's, you know Kalua checking in, checking in for daycare, Kalua checking in for boarding. Then they have the, the people that come get him. I probably would qualify for the people in the back that pick up the the, the crap. Okay. So I I would like quali- like pooper scooper. See, here's the thing. Okay, yeah. I'm so glad that you say that because, Willie, you take pride in yourself and your career. Yeah. And when you say something like that, I'm like, oh, God, all right, maybe yeah. maybe aquacultural animal worker isn't that bad. Of See, a like, like I, I think that it would come up like I would be a tailor. Right, because because my that would my, be good. Yeah, yeah. I could I, see you doing I, that. I could be like measuring the the hem and and then up up in the crotch, taking the tape measure down and then pinning the suit back. Yeah, yeah. It's a tailor. See, even when you talk about that, there's right. like a little bit of like gusto. There's a, there. there's a little you, clean, you're loving right? it. And you're like, mm, fashion. Now, you know, you know what I wouldn't want to be? Huh? I I don't think that I'd want to qualify as. Do you remember a hot dog on a stick? Yes. Oh, Where, and, and you sit and they you used to walk by and they and they're the pumping lemonade. The, yeah, yeah. Because I used to, when I worked in the Boulevard Mall back in the day at the Athlete's Foot before there was any Foot Locker, uh, and we used to walk, we used to go over to Hot Dog and Stick to get the the lemonade and then and the and then the cheese stick, which well, is not my, the Hot Dog and Stick, but the cheese. Dog. And, and it's is beautiful. it? It's the get, best. But but the thing is, can we get to the crux of it? It's not hot. It's a corn dog. It's a corn dog. I mean, just call it corn dog. Yeah. But 
that we'd walk up and the girls, right? Because we were all the same. We were all teenagers, 17, 18, 19, 20, working in the mall. And they'd be pumping that thing constantly, constantly, constantly. I mean, that was a arm work. They were probably in better shape than I was. Here's the thing. I want to know if there has ever been a hot dog and a stick worker that worked there for way too long. And now they have problems in their back because of that lemonade. It looked like it did a lot of damage. Well, here's the thing. We definitely know that it would be somewhere in the fashion industry for me, right? Okay. okay. I was at the Aces. What would you first, do with the hot dog on a stick outfits, by the way? Would you change them up a little? No, because they're cemented into the decor of yep, everything. Of America, like. yeah. Um, I went to the first two Aces games. Okay, here in town. Yes. Obviously covered them for, for AP. Uh, I, I, I went to ask Chelsea Gray and Asia Wilson and Jackie Young a question. And I, I must have thrown Chelsea for a loop or something because, well, this is what she had to say. Willie Ramirez with the Associated Press, ladies. With about 4.33 left in the third, De'Erica came in and sparked this team. That would seem to be the spark. Can you just comment on her play? First of all, I like your suit. Real nice. <laughs> um, yeah, she changed the game for us. Um, <laughs> hey, fresh, bro. Um, <laughs> Yeah. You see that? See? I you see, like how, it. see how I throw things for a little bit of a loop there? Well, that's what I'm saying. Like, I've seen the pictures of you on, with the press, and you stand out. Everybody else well, is dressed like me. I wasn't born to fit in. Right. I was born to stand out, I think. Well, you know what, though? Here's the thing, though. A lot of people, they, when they stand out the way you do, it's like there's guys that stand out where they want to take it a step above, and there's other people that are like they want to let themselves look dumpy so people have a lower expectation. That way they could always seem to beat those expectations. Those are the Oscar Madisons of the sports journalism world. Okay, do you explain know that. that no. Oscar Madison was uh, portrayed by Jack Klugman in The Odd Couple. Oh, yes. Klugman and Tony Randall yeah. were roommates, and Klugman was the sports reporter. Divorce broken slappy. Yeah. Well, <laughs> you know, I, I, I tend not to want to, you know, have a bit of a stench behind me when I walk into a press box. I, I somewhat want to, you know, I try to take care of my hands because, first of all, you know, people say, well, you get your, your nails done, whatever, but I have a bad problem with my fingers cracking especially in the cold weather. So I like them taken care of. Every three weeks I go, and I'm banging on the fingertips all, you know, every day, 12 to 14 hours a day I'm on the keyboard. So, yeah, I, I get the, you know, the jewelry. and You got to look sharp, though. Yeah. But that's what I'm saying. Like, we have to have why, – why aren't you releasing YouTube videos to teach men how to dress and smell? Well, because comb their not, hair. Because you're making it sound as if no, but like, like I'm the only person. Like, like it's there's not an. Over you stand out though, dude. That's what I'm saying. I'm not saying you're the only person. I'm not saying you like everybody yeah, else on press no, road is like you know looking like a thriller video. Well, because I don't think that there's enough people out there that need to watch my YouTube video. I think that I think that people that. The people that you're talking about that need to watch the videos, they choose not to. Right. It's not as if they don't know how or they don't know what they're, you know, they just they just choose not to. Well, is Chelsea Gray going to look at their student like, hey, I like that mustard stain t-shirt. You look at Fly. No, it's not going to happen. She complimented my man, Willie yeah, Ramirez. Yeah, they did not point out the guys that are walking in with the pit stains it's on the white tees and the hole on the side. Take and- the compliment, my God. Right. <laughs> You're oh no! Too it, humble. I took it. No, I took the compliment. I, 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 I may have blushed a little bit. The crowd chuckled a little bit. Asia lost it a little bit. That was her that went. Yeah. You know, but um, it was, it was, it was a fun moment, of course. And everybody mentioned it as we were walking back to the, to the thing. And as you mentioned, the Aces big game tomorrow. Huge game tomorrow. Huge game tomorrow. It'll be here on on uh, on ESPN. You know, TC's back there. TC Martin. So make sure you tune in um, for that game four. They can wrap up. 
They could wrap it up. They could wrap it up. And, and, and for those out there, it'll be the city's seventh pro championship. There's a lot of clamoring all week of these media members. Oh, my God, why are you dogging the ladies and taking away from what they're doing? We're not. We're just not going to take away from the, the – there were pro leagues back in the day when there was nothing here, right? And somebody who's going to come on with us in a few minutes can attest to this. Back then – those little leagues meant something to this town, Absolutely. and they brought six pro championships. So when we come back, we are going to welcome to the show, live from the Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar, right here on ESPN, Executive Director from the Las Vegas Bowl, John Sassenti. Back to Treasure Island. From the 12th, Chapin into the end zone, and BYU wins it. Oh, yeah, we are back. Gooch, Willie Ramirez, Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar on ESPN. Come on down. The kitchen is open. The betting kiosks, the TVs with the big screens, drink specials, get down here, breakfast specials. And if you get down here before the show goes off, I have tickets to today's UNLV North Texas football game. So get down here, and I will hand them off to you. That game kicks off at 12. I also got uh, tickets to their following home game against New Mexico. But joining us right now, someone who knows all about college football in this town, around the country, and pro sports, executive director from the Las Vegas Bowl. He graced us with his presence. He's down here. And I have to say, John Sassenti, welcome to the show. But you are a in-person guy you like to show up whether it's a five-minute interview or 30 minute 30 minute in this case about 15 minutes you like to be on hand i do so when i say something stupid i can watch if you're rolling your eyes or not or making fun of me i, I think wanna, i want to be in front of you i think it's just because <laughs> you, you like being around your old school vegas boy here right i yeah. mean you've been around you you when i say old school vegas there, there's few guys who can appreciate and i go back to 72 but i mean there are a few guys you donnie Lowe, jimmy jim that can appreciate the old days yeah, yeah, I, I got here in 93 um, where there wasn't a whole lot going on, and uh, UNLV was just coming out of the Tark days, yeah. starting the J.R. Ryder days, yeah. uh, which was which was really fun. But, gosh, the city's changed so much. And you mentioned Donnie Logan. That, that, that's actually where I got my start. Yeah. Uh, Donnie hired that's me right out of college. With the stars. Yeah. yeah stars the, and stars and the thunder. And my, and my, my partner here, Gucci, did, did the research. You, you, you were with the thunder. You were at the XFL Las Vegas. The outlaws were so fun. I mean, I had so much fun covering them. And I just got done saying before we went to break that, you know, there's a mix of emotions this week because uh, myself and some of the older school guys, right, Sean DeFrank, Paul Gutierrez, the guys that have known and been here, the Las Vegas Aguses are not about to bring the first pro championship to Las Vegas. It will be the seventh. And for those that are out there saying, oh, it's, you're diminishing what they're doing this, this, to, to, for the city. No, not really, because they are bringing some, some light to the, back to the city. But back then, all we had was UNLV. And we, as you said, we were coming out of the Tark era in the national championship. So back then, those little pro leagues that came here, the CISL, when the Stars won the PCL, right? Uh, the Silver Streaks, they meant something to us. Yeah, well, listen, what they're doing is phenomenal, right? And, and, and I, think, uh, I think if they win, they're going to they're gonna get the big parade like we've seen all over the place. Nothing's ever going to beat the UNLV championship in, in, in my mind, right? What, what they did and when they did it, how they did it, um, and, and who they were at that time. I mean, they, they owned the nation, not just won a championship, owned the nation. 
Um, nobody's ever going to to uh, surpass that. What the Aces are doing is phenomenal. I, I, I actually I got caught doing the same thing that a lot of your people are doing. I said I can't believe the first the first uh, major championship parade is going to be for a WNBA team. Like who would have ever thought? And then somebody had to remind me. They're like, well, slow down. Remember we had the UNLV parade. Um, you know, I, I don't think we're going to have one for for AAA baseball or for you know uh, Canadian football. Um, but but you know, listen, I, I hope they do it. It would be great. I I I didn't think they would do it before the the Golden Knights or the Raiders, but uh, but it, it, it's it's phenomenal what they're doing. And we just brought up that how you've been here since '94, working with the Stars. Back then, was there any possibility in your mind that? Las Vegas sports could reach the echelon that it's at now. No, and and e, e, forget forget ninety four. I was the guy five six years ago that was like, "There's no way the NFL is going to come here. There's right. no way the NFL is going to come here." Right? We, we weren't even allowed to to buy a, a a TV spot in the Super Bowl because Vegas was so bad and, and so taboo, and we're not going to do it. I'm like, "There's there's no way." I did think eventually we'd get hockey, which we did hockey or basketball. Never in my wildest dreams did I think we'd get hockey. We're talking about the NBA. We have the NFL. Um, talking about the MLB, too. MLB as, as well. Um, it, it, it's a lot. and I, Nobody would have ever predicted that, that we would go this fast with regards to pro sports. ESPN Radio 1100. We're here with Josh, John Sassenti. Now, you've been with you know, the Las Vegas Bowl for a while. And in 2026, they're talking about extending it. Well, they're not talking. They are extending it to 12 teams now the big question is what is the possibility of las vegas being one of those mainstay locations for either a playoff game or a championship game to take place well i'll start with the championship game that is going to happen at some point right when when it happens who knows but but listen here here's the reality and, and i'm not i'm not involved in the cfp conversations uh with bill hancock's group at all uh at least not yet um but 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 here's what i do know we're a West Coast-based uh, city. We're a world-class destination that has 160,000 hotel rooms, and we have a $2 billion stadium that's connected to those 160,000 hotel rooms. Um, I, I, I would be shocked if, if that does not happen sooner rather than later. Um, and, and once they do it and once they see it, and I've, I've been to these national championships, right? Some of them are not that friendly and not that easy, right? I, I, taking no shots at anybody, but when you go to Miami – you're staying down near South Beach. You're driving an hour to the stadium. Uh, it, it's it's not that convenient. Uh, New Orleans does a great job um, uh, in how they're set up, but but I think outside of that, I think we have the best setup of anybody. So it, it is going to happen uh, as soon as we're, we listen. We're the we're the only ones that had to dodge dates, right? Everybody else is is rolling over, going, "We'll take it, we'll take it, we'll take it." We're the only ones that go. Let us look at the calendar first, and we'll get back right, to you. Right, right. right. That that says a lot about our city. Uh, but that is going to happen. Uh, with regards to the expansion, they're talking 24, they're talking 26. Uh, I would be shocked if they if they were able to pull it off in 24 because at this point, there's there's far too many questions and answers. And when you have the commissioner of the SEC coming out going, well, we've got to evaluate this and we've got to answer these questions, that tells me everything I need to hear. Like, if he's asking questions, uh, he's the most powerful guy in college football, then there's a lot of questions that need to be answered. Um, I don't know what they're going to do, right? If if they go on campus, what does that mean for certain bowl games? Uh, can the schools pull off an on-campus game in that first round? Uh, a lot of them don't think that they can. 
are they going to bid out the semifinals? What are the New Year's Six games going to do? Are they still going to do the rotation? What is the Rose Bowl going to do where the Rose Bowl still insists that they're going to play on January 1st at 2 p.m., right? All these questions have to be answered, and nobody has the answers to them right now. So, so the, the as far like as it is right now, you have the semis set in two of the bigger and traditional bowl games for the national championship, rotating what, through the New Year's Six. Yeah, right. right. So as as it progresses, once Vegas shows what it can do to the NC2A, which obviously it already knows because it brings conference tournaments here and it's going to bring a regional and the NIT. Once they see with football. You'd have to think that the Vegas Bowl would, would be considered or be right in the mix as a bracketed, one of the brackets, if it's not a championship that year. So I'll take it one step further with regards to championship games. It's, it's, it's not even just stopping at, at, at basketball and NIT and, and, and regional stuff. Uh, the convention authorities bidding on NCAA wrestling championships, baseball championships, gymnastics championships, uh, tennis. I mean, we're, we're bidding as a city on all of these NCAA championships. We want every one of them to stop through here. So it's not just going to stop at the two major sports, uh, which, again, says a lot about our city. Um, we, we, had a, we had a Las Vegas Bowl committee meeting just the other day, and that, this was obviously a hot topic, right? What does the CFP expansion mean? What does it mean? And I told our group this. I said, listen, everything is in place right now, right? The, 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 the destination, the stadium, the hotels in proximity to the stadium, everything's in place. What we need to do as an organization now is prove to everybody and put on a show come December that says it's a no-brainer, right? If we have a full stadium and everybody's in there and, and the teams come in and they have a good time and they enjoy their stay, and again, the stadium's full. We're playing the game this year at 4.30, which is 7.30 Eastern, primetime window. We're on ABC. We have the entire country watching our game. We have a full stadium and we do it right. Not that we need the attention as a destination, as a city, but kind of kind of gets people thinking, like, this is a no-brainer, right? ESPN Radio 1100. We're talking to John Sassenti, Las Vegas Bowl Executive Director, and we've already brought up that in the past you've worked for the Stars, you worked for the Thunder. I want to know about your XFL days with the uh, Las Vegas Outlaws. He hate me. I don't know if the, <laughs> I don't know if the uh, Las Vegas people remember Ron. He hate me, but he's there. And... You know, you were you were working in the uh, the marketing department. You were the marketing manager of the XFL, and I just wanted to know, like, how many wild promotions came across your desk where you were like, "Okay, Vince McMahon, can we take it a step back?" Yeah. So, so funny thing about Vince is, uh, listen, I I was only there a year. We were all only there a year. Um, I was a season ticket holder. Th- well, thank you for that. Um, I learned, I learned more in that one year than I probably did in the, in the 10 years following that, right? We had some really bright, smart people. We were given the freedom to have as much creativity as possible. Uh, and, and Vince McMahon was on our Tuesday conference calls, right? You have Vince McMahon going, what do you got in Vegas? Throw this idea out. And uh, it, it was a phenomenal, phenomenal experience. Uh, the, the two highlights, one of them ended up being, it was almost the death of me. I almost quit sports. Uh, when when uh, my two favorite moments was one, they said somebody from the front office has to be in charge and be the main person for the cheerleaders. And at the time, I'm 25 years old, and I'm like, I'll do it. Uh, I should never have volunteered for that job because that, that, that was almost the death of me is managing uh, 15 XFL cheerleaders and everything that came along with that. But the other thing is when, when they made the decision on the names, uh, I had to go to our head coach and say, hey, this is what's going on. And, 
And at the time, we had a really, really old school football guy, Jim Kreiner, right? He was, he was, he was, a, he was probably in his mid to late 60s, and he goes, that's the stupidest thing I've ever heard. I don't want to do it. I'm like, Coach, you don't really have a choice here. Uh, if you want to call Vince and tell him, be my guest. Um, but I, I got to actually, he goes, well, you guys are telling him I'm not doing it. So, so I got to be the one to tell the players uh, after, after a practice that this is what's going on. And I'll never forget, we go, you can put whatever you want on it. The league's going to approve it. Uh, it's got to be clean, blah, 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 blah. But here's what you get to do. And everybody starts laughing. They start giggling. There's a couple of jokes. And out of nowhere, it just gets dead quiet. You hear a guy in the back of the room go, he hate me, y'all. And everybody kind of looks at him. They're like, he hate me. He goes, he going to hate me. He going to hate me. He going to hate me. And uh, that's, that's where, I mean, he didn't think about it. It just came right out uh, exactly what he wanted to do. It was, it, was, it was pretty funny at the time. And, it, it, I mean, obviously, it was, it was the one name coming out of the XFL that everybody remembered. So let me ask you this, in, in, in regards to that, in being able to sort of reach back to that time, right, with the XFL and the Outlaws and, and, and now with everything you do with Las Vegas, now we have a, either a kickoff game, right, that's going to be next year, I believe, right, it's still USC, LSU, or maybe, but we have a game coming up. Labor BYU, Day of 24. <laughs> Labor Day of 24. Labor Day of 24. We, have the, um, we have BYU Notre Dame coming. And people, I don't think people realize that, your committee, the market, this basically the entire team is involved in that as well. So in taking that creativity that you had back then and bringing it to the fore, little things like that have to help with what you want to produce because it's Las Vegas. Yeah, it, 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 it does, right? And, and, again, it just continues to keep us front and center and put us on the map. You know, we, we, we booked that game uh, a few years ago, probably two, two or three years ago when we actually signed it. Um, at the time, nobody would have ever predicted that we are going to have USC, Lincoln Riley going into his third year. Now, Brian Kelly at LSU going into his third year. Um, I don't, I don't want to jinx anything, but, but I, I, I think you guys would both agree. It's, we're, we're set up pretty good for 24 to have right. Lincoln Riley in his third year, Brian Kelly in his third year. Um, I mean, that has the potential to be a top-five matchup to kick off the season. Uh, on Labor Day, we're talking about either that Saturday, Sunday, or Monday, right? There's no NFL that week, so take that whole window, uh, and and we have we get to showcase Vegas and showcase that game to the rest of the city. Um, those little things that we continue to do, we're actually working on uh, five more of those uh, for for future years too. Um, they, they become very very difficult now that you have some conference realignment and you have some new. Uh, uh, media rights deals, it, it's become even more difficult, so we've got to recalibrate what we're doing. Um, but, but listen, we've got tremendous support from the convention authorities. We've got tremendous support from the city. So it gives us the opportunity to put those games on. And, and it's not hard selling these teams on coming to Las Vegas. Executive, Executive Director of the Las Vegas Bowl, John Sassenti, joining us on Throw the Flag, ESPN Las Vegas here at Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. John, we're up against you real quick. Tickets still available. They go where? Uh, LVBowl.com. LVBowl.com. Looking forward to this year's matchup. John, thanks for coming down live. We will be back. And when we come back, we're going to talk to Caleb Herring about today's game, UNLV North Texas. Now, back to Throw the Flag. They'll toss it coming across. Kyle Williams is able to turn the corner, cuts it back inside, and races into the end zone. And the Rebels are on the board. That was last week, UNLV football 
against Cal and coming up in about uh, two and a half hours. No food on my table. You know who that is? No. Just, just some old school blues. I like old school blues. John Lee Hooker. Oh, yeah. No shoes. Pulled that off the American Gangster, uh, the American Gangster soundtrack. Very underrated movie. Very, well, I don't know how underrated. It's a pretty great movie. But we can, you know why? Because we have a UNLV OG coming on. Please so that's me. why I had to do okay. I had to throw I a, like that segue. You see how I, yeah. Ooh, you slid Ooh. it right in there. You're getting good Ooh. at this. I'm trying. <laughs> we got my man. I covered him. As a matter of fact, the game, the season, the team, the matchup, this has so much to his heart. Welcome to the show, former UNLV quarterback Caleb Herring. Caleb, how are you? What? I'm good, man. By way of segues, that was that was awesome. I, I like that. Do you I remember? Like to an OG, first of all, but that was that was a masterclass in segues. <laughs> do you rem- do you remember that song from from American Gangster? I, I that, do. I that do was when they were it. pulling up through the through the mansion, and and uh, and Denzel uh, leads Ruby D out of the car, and she goes, yeah, And whose house is house. that? He yeah. goes, That's <laughs> your house, Mama. John Lee Hooker. Yeah. All right. Well, let's get into this, Caleb. Um, one and one, right? UNLV one and one. Uh, tremendous showing in their home opener against Idaho State. Then they go to Cal and would look, you know, like a game that they could have pulled out. They fall short. I expect a bounce back. Let's start with North Texas. Quarterback Austin on. He's 29. He played minor league baseball. Tell us about this guy. I, yeah, it says a lot right there in and of itself. He's 29 years old. And I think uh, based on how you look at history and when they started keeping track of that sort of thing, uh, the oldest player, at least in a non-specialist position, to play at the collegiate level. So there's a certain level of maturity that he brings to the quarterback position just with his age. He has a wife and a, a kid. I mean, his responsibilities and priorities are in a different place than most people who are playing college football, right? So um, that maturity, I think, will definitely play a part. Obviously, his skill set as a baseball player uh, translates in a lot of ways to the quarterback position, especially the style of offense that North Texas has and, and what the act for him to do from the quarterback position. There's a lot of, uh, of plays where you look at the film, you say, oh, that kid played shortstop for sure. The way he feels the shotgun snaps and is able to spin the ball out there quickly and get rid of it. Um, a little bit of an athlete as well. He's not some guy that's going to stand to be a statue in the pocket. Um, definitely has some mobility. Uh, and he'll be a threat, I think, for UNLV to contend with as a runner. Uh, so his time, I think, in, in the minors and his, his age and all those things are, are unique to North Texas. And it, it's a very unique situation to go up and get a player like that. We'll see how much of an impact he has and, and how, how well the Rebels account for him. And speaking of the offensive style that North Texas has, this is a power run game, and they love to set up the play action. How is UNLV going to be able to contain that? Well, I think that the key is eye discipline. It's been something that's been echoed throughout, uh, throughout the facility this week in practice and preparing for the game is, is to have discipline with your eyes. And I think the way that North Texas runs the ball, how effectively they run it with the two running backs uh, that they have and, and um, that relentless rush attack, they use that similarity of style and that, uh, that the similarity of scheme to show you run um, and then uh, attack you with the big plays over the top. They don't complete a lot of passes, but they complete – big passes. They, they're among the top 20 in the nation as far as yards per completion down the field. And they don't do it a lot, but when they do do it, the play-action game is definitely dangerous. And it's because of how similar it looks to the actual run action. Some teams use play-action a lot and don't run the ball. You heard Coach Royal talk about that during the press conference uh, this week. The teams that run the ball um, and actually are, are a threat to run it, the play-action is even more dangerous because you're selling out to stop the run, and you know how important that is. Um, and they pick their spots to, to hurt you with the play-action pass. So UNLV just has to maintain their eye discipline, stay true to their keys, 
um, and do their job. I think there's a lot of times where people, you know, safeties and, and DBs get sucked in and trying to help out and stop the run. If that's not your job in a particular play, you got to stay true to your keys and be disciplined um, with your eyes and your fundamentals and, and be in position to make plays on the ball. Speaking to former UNLV quarterback and current color commentator on the, on the broadcast, Caleb Herring. Caleb, last time you saw this matchup, you were in the game. The heart of <laughs> Dallas Bowl, right? I mean, you know, before we go on to talk a little bit about UNLV, we got some time here. T- take us back to that season because that was the last bowl game that UNLV went to. Bobby Houck was the coach. They've now, they're on there since then. It's been Houck, then Sanchez, now um, – Marcus Arroyo, but that season, because it was somewhat of a, it, you know, every time UNLV's vying for a bowl berth, it's somewhat of a special season. What, what can you tell us about that? It, it was special. I think it was one of those cases where we had a talented roster and we knew that going in, um, and we just had to put the right pieces in the right place uh, to figure it out. And that season, it clicked. And leading up to that bowl game, it was a, a run for the ages, in my opinion. Obviously, I lived through it, so it was the more special place to me. I think the fans that were around understood it and knew it at the time and obviously since have appreciated it. Um, it's, it's something that's been referenced a lot with me, and, and I've gotten appreciation for my role in that um, since, since it happened. I, I, living in the community now, it, it's something that is brought up pretty often. Um, but it's something that I, I, I wish that every player gets to experience, a season like that, approaching the bowl game, getting to play on the New Year's Six, uh, which we were fortunate to be able to play in, um, was a special time, and North Texas just happened to be the opponent. Obviously, things didn't end the way that I wanted to with that season. Uh, I had to. I have to say that the last game I played in was a loss um, in North Texas. The Mean Green handed it to me. It was a, a home field advantage for them, basically, at the Cotton Bowl out in Texas. Um, so this game for me, you know, it doesn't really matter to anybody playing it um, in this way, but this game for me is a little bit of revenge. I would like to see my alma mater uh, get some revenge against a team that uh, cost us to lose our bowl game appearance back in 2013. But it should be fun. It should be fun. Well, does this current UNLV team have a bowl game feel? You know, we're talking to the quarterback that was quarterback of the team the last time they went to the bowl game. Does this current UNLV team have that same feeling, like they're headed places? Yeah, I think, it, I think it's a little bit different um, in the sense that I would say just watching the team before the season started, I would have predicted or I would have set the standard for them if I was going to. Uh, that, that they were a bowl team. I don't think it was known by many people that we, the 2013 team, was going to be a bowl team. And it was a surprise across the conference, really, because there's a lot of teams that made it to bowl eligibility that uh, in the conference that year. I think there was even so many that we had to make room for another. You know, it wasn't a guarantee even if you got six games that you'd be getting a bowl game that year. But this UNLV team, I think, is one of the teams, just looking at them, I think they're talented enough to be a bowl team. And I wouldn't have doubted that before the season started um now it's a matter of putting it together for you know seven games and getting to that mark or, or six games what have you whatever the, the eligibility mark is um but i definitely think they have the pieces in place and i think the key piece obviously speaking from a quarterback perspective is they finally have a hold on the quarterback position i think last year if they had had a quarterback to be consistently good uh, throughout the season i think that would have been the difference and they are they're both eligible last year so i think doug brumfield's health and availability this year um, the way he separates himself as a leader and, and as a guy who can make plays on the field, I think gives them the edge for me to confidently say they're a bowl team. Well, Caleb, uh, speaking to Caleb Herring, former UNLV quarterback, and he'll be on the call today with Russ right here on ESPN, so make sure you tune in. Pre-game show uh, coming up with Chris Chapman. 
uh, tempo on both sides of the ball, how much is that going to be a factor? And where does UNLV have the edge if it does have one? Well, I think that tempo becomes a factor just based on what you've seen from North Texas in the past on uh, these few games early in the season. Offensively, from their standpoint, they've used tempo uh, a little bit throughout the season to kind of gain an edge, um, especially after big plays. Um, but the flip side of that is it's more important for me, for UNLV, to take advantage of that in the SMU game, tempo hurt them from a defensive standpoint. It was North Texas defensively had issues getting lined up. Um, they're caught out of gaps and off assignments and, and just not lined up against SMU's tempo when they decided to go NASCAR and, and up the tempo. Um, so UNLV may look to take advantage of that as well. If they get a big play, don't be surprised to see the Rebels get up uh, on the line of scrimmage and, and get the next playoff within the first 10 seconds of the play clock because I think they can find some opportunities for big plays just off of changing the tempo throughout the game. So uh, UNLV's done that too. They, they, they run a no-huddle offensive system. Once they get their drives going, they don't huddle up very much. Um, so they have the capacity to, to go fast if they want to. It may not be a huge factor, but it's something that every now and then, uh, taking advantage of the change of tempo, uh, could create plays. I think, uh, especially with the way the run game came on last week against Cal, I think that might be something that the Rebels do. Up-tempo run game uh, may, may play a factor in this game going forward. And, you know, when you talk about UNLV here, especially on the local level, everybody talk about, you know, it's, the first question is, okay, well, how long it took for Marcus and Amos starter, and then Doug, and then the offense and what it's doing. But in reality, when you look at what this team has done, the defense has some really nice vibe to it. Um, and I'm, I would say it's sort of up against it today with what we've seen from North Texas. But at the same token, I, I, I want to give UNLV's defense the edge just because it seems to be playing with somewhat of a confidence, uh, you know, a confident, confident swag. Yeah, if you look at what UNLV has done defensively this season, this UNLV team, outside of the first quarter versus Cal, they've actually been very good defensively. And we're talking about with the starters. Obviously, I don't say uh, they put the, the second unit in second and third unit in the second half, so we're not going to really grade that second half. The first half, phenomenal defensive job outside of one play, really. Uh, against Cal, two plays really that changed the course of that game in the first quarter that gave them uh, Cal the 14 nothing lead. After that, the defense played lights out. I mean, they gave up yards, they gave up points. They had red zone, red zone stands, they forced turnovers. They've done everything you can ask for a defense to do, and essentially really is keep points off the board. Uh, forcing Cal to have field goal attempts in that game really kept the offense in it um, until they were able to get some rhythm and crawl back into the game. Um, so looking at the defense, they have chinks in their armor, obviously, with injuries and Ricky Johnson and Tyson Player not being available, um, which would have been the strength of the second unit. Um, but the front seven is, I think, playing very well this season. I think they, they're number three in the nation with sacks. Um, the defensive line is getting pressures. Five different guys on that front defensive line have gotten sacks, and that's ones and twos on the depth chart, um, which was a thing for UNLV defensively, not having enough depth. This year they have the depth. Um, at multiple positions to be able to contend for close quarters. Um, so I look for this defense to make a statement in this game. I think that they are capable of being a, a good defense in this conference, a good group of five defense. Um, can they play up to their potential at every moment in every game? That's yet to be determined. But when they're clicking, they're clicking, and they make plays defensively. If there's one player on offense that needs to step up during the, for this game for the UNLV Rebels to walk away with a victory, who's it going to be? Uh, as cliched as it is, it's got to be Doug Brumfield. I think everybody else has a role to play, um, but the quarterback play is the most important thing, especially in this offense under Coach Arroyo. The quarterback has so much control and influence on what goes on on the field. If he's having an off game, it shows up in the offense. If he's having a, a, a game where he's on point, obviously like Idaho State, 
it shows up, and the offense kind of runs by itself. It's, it's a well-oiled machine. But the quarterback, I think, is the most important position and the most important piece of the puzzle. Everybody else has a role to play, but I think it's not as significant as the quarterback. And I, that, that may be cliched, um, but I think there's other things that the offense can do to help Doug. And I think the run game early, um, like we saw in the second half against Cal, being consistent enough to take the pressure off of Doug in situations, to get him in certain manageable situations instead of always playing behind the chain, I think is important for, uh, for individual success. But I think the quarterback has to make the ship go, uh, and the rest of the offense will follow his lead. Spoken like a true quarterback. Caleb, we appreciate you joining us. We know you're busy headed to the stadium. I'll see you in a little bit as I'm heading over to Allegiant Stadium after this. Caleb Herrick joining Gooch and myself on Throw the Flag from Treasure Island Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Caleb, we appreciate you. All right, fellas, no problem. Take care. Have a good one. All right, when we come back, it's everybody's favorite segment. It's the Picks of the Week. Golden Circle Sportsbook, throw the flag back again at the Treasure Island. Gooch, Willie Ramirez, time for the gambling segment. Last week, I came up short. Last week, I picked the Saints to cover minus six over the Falcons. I underestimated the running ability of Marcus Mariota and Corderell Patterson. What? But the Saints ended up winning by one, but they didn't cover I remained undefeated since the since the birth of season two, mm. 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 and, and I, if I'm not mistaken, that's either the first or second loss on this that's show. That's my second loss. So, so we are now ten and two. Yeah, and they're all on me. Well, ten and two is still good. I mean, if you're betting every single game straight that we've given out, you're up money. So yeah, you're right. And um, I will say, and thank you for being so positive. But we all know. The brains, you're the brains of this operation. You're the guy who they should listen to because you understand numbers. Me, I'm going off a of heart. So we're no, so, so basically we've I'm gone, joking, I'm we've kidding, gone from YouTube's on fashion to now <laughs> brains of the betting operation for the gambling segment on Throw the Flag. Yes, please. Okay? You're the one you you understand this way more than I do. I've been betting for a long time, but you you bet on teams like, you know, UTEP. <laughs> I mean, I'm betting on true? like Ohio State. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, you're, yeah. You're going with you're 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 like the touts that are pitching the ESPN game of the lock of the of the month because it's on TV and everybody thinks where well, I'm looking for like Middle Tennessee State. Yes, yes, exactly. Like, but 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 my best bets in in the NFL this week. I, I was toying with three games: one in college, two in the NFL. Okay, what was what's the game that you're going? I am going to go with the Pittsburgh Steelers plus two and a half at home against the New England Patriots. Did you know that since Mike Tallman came into the league as far as a coach, that Pittsburgh is 155, 85, and two, third all time, third best record, third most wins in that time span um, against the spread, 169, 68, and five? And at home, in that time frame, Pittsburgh is 96-24-1 at home since he's been the coach, 88-32-1. That's incredible. That's at home. That's incredible. And, and we're it- getting points against a 
struggling Patriots team this year. And this is the thing with Mike Tomlin. See, a lot of people thought that he inherited Cowher's team, and that's kind of what led helped him win a Super Bowl ring. But mm-hmm. I want you to pay attention to how hard that team played without their starting quarterback. When Ben Roethlisberger, he's not with the team anymore. He retired. But before, when he would get injured, they would still come out and punch people right in the mouth. Like yeah. Mike Tomlin is – it's amazing how – he isn't mentioned in the same breath as a Belichick or an Andy Reid. And he very he, – he's, it's so obvious that he should be. He really should be. I understand that, yeah, be, maybe because of the, 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 the lead-in that Cowher gave him might take away something in some people's eyes, but it's, you can't really argue with the, with the body of work that he has put up there. Uh, I have decided to – maybe I'm jumping the gun, but – Overreaction? Maybe, it could be an overreaction. But I just love the way Geno Smith looked against the Broncos. And the fact that people forget that Geno Smith was a potential top three pick when he was going to be drafted by the Jets. He got drafted in the second round by the Jets. But in the mock drafts, he was ranked super high in the top five. He has got the tools. He has got the physical tools to be a not only just a quality starter, but he could still be like a potential, like, quality star- – I mean, I did say that, quality starter. He can be a quality starter. And I look at who they're facing this week in the Niners, and, oh, my Lord. Look, I understand the Niners' first game of the season. It was rainy. The conditions did not look good. But Trey Lance just looked like he didn't know what he was doing. There's guys that have a bad game, and there's guys that just look like a deer in headlights, and they just don't know where they're at. And that's what's making me pick the Seattle Seahawks plus nine. I can't believe they're getting plus nine over the Niners. Well, and I and and, and you point out about Geno Smith, but let's not forget the magnitude of last week's game against Denver, where everybody was talking about Russell Wilson going back to Seattle and you know chip on the shoulder and looking to make a point. Don't you think that the guy who pushed him out the door, Pete Carroll, had had a statement to make? And let's not forget what the defense did to the Broncos' offense that was supposed to be, oh, dangerous with Russell Wilson in, you know. We were all saying, well, some of us, you know, eh, not sold yet on what he's going to come in and do with that offense. Maybe it was one week, and yes, it's a small sample size, but Seattle's defense, you know, it did its job, allowing Geno Smith the opportunities to do what he did. Um, I'm, I actually like the Seahawks. As we went over some games yesterday on uh, Cofield and Company and right here at Treasure Island, and – I like Seattle, so I, I, I like your, your pick. Um, I don't believe that San Francisco should be given up close to double digit to anybody. And, hey, did anybody else, anyone, I'd like to know, did anybody else think to themselves, even after week one, the only undefeated team in the NFC West was going to be the Seattle Seahawks? Because guess what? They are. Arizona's 0-1, the Rams, the defending Super Bowl champs are 0-1, and the 49ers 0-1. It's, 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 it's pride that kicks in. when I don't. Yes, it's just week two, but pride kicks in with these guys. They're going down there going, hey, we're the only let's, – let's stay that way. And the worst part about those, those three teams you just mentioned that did have a loss in the NFC West, they got rolled. They got rolled. Like, I did not expect the 49ers to get shoved around like that, but they did. All right, well, we got to talk about Arizona and Las Vegas because when we come back, David Brandt, who covers the Cardinals for the Associated Press down in Phoenix, he's going to join us on Throw the Flag on ESPN Las Vegas.
Now, back to Throw the Flag. They really believe that they can be on this level and compete against these teams and win. Today's a great day to showcase that. Here's Murray taking off. First down at the 10 at the 5. And the angle cut off by Fenton at the 2. I, I threw that rejoin together just for you. I thought you'd appreciate my uh, taste in Rush, right? I, Rush is good. Rush's Rush is numbers sick. rock, bro. Those guys are like, when you're that good at being a musician, you're just, it's all math at that point. Those guys are incredible. Willie Ramirez and Gooch live on ESPN at Treasure Island Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. I just flashed a little uh, Instagram reel to you. That That's my son, Did, he looks, he's a little in shape. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he kind of looks, I, I remember seeing him uh, when he was running Mount Olympus. <laughs> oh, my God. I always thought I was like, uh, you know, I always put myself like, a, 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 like out of a 1 to 10, I'm like, ah, I'll give myself a 6, maybe a 7, depending on how much the chick is drinking. But, like, when you stand next to a guy like your son, it's like, dude, I feel like a troll, bro. Get underneath your mushroom, Gooch. Well, what's, 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 what's horrifying is that the caption was cutting season. Cutting? What more are you cutting into, kid? Yeah. I, got, I, got, I, have, to, I have to give that kid a call on the drive over to Allegiant. Kid, All right, kid had abs when he was born. Speaking of Allegiant Stadium, tomorrow the Cardinals are in town to play the Las Vegas Raiders. Joining us now on, treasure, uh, on Throw the Flag here on ESPN. Phoenix-based Associated Press sports writer David Brandt. David, thanks for joining us. No problem. How are you? Doing good. Doing doing good. Just getting ready for a little UNLV football today. Then they'll take the artificial turf off, and then they'll bring the natural stuff on, and the Cardinals and the Raiders will take the field. Uh, you know, let's jump right into it. Was what we saw against Kansas City indicative of how the Cardinals are, or are they a little bit of a better team? Well, I think everybody in Arizona hopes they're at least a little better to make sure against the Chiefs. Or it's going to be a, a pretty long season. There wasn't much that, that went right in that one. So, um, really, all eyes. I mean, obviously, Kyler was just okay against the Chiefs, but he never really had a chance to get going against the defense that, you know, kind of got boat raced a little bit. So, um, you know, the linebackers, Isaiah Simmons, Zayden Collins, you know, the pass rush after obviously losing Chandler Jones to Las Vegas. Uh, they've got to find a little bit of that. So they're, they're really searching for themselves right now. It's a big week for Arizona. In your opinion, does Kyler Murray have more to prove at this point? You know, obviously the off-season off conversations. but Or is he, is he locked in? Is he dialed in? Is he, is he set with his role? What, sorry, you cut out for a second. Does Kyler Murray, does he have more to prove at this point of his career, I mean, there's you know so many conversations off season with his role, but is he is he is he dialed in and locked in with with this organization? Does he still have something to prove? Well, I mean, I, I think he's comfortable and locked in with the organization, but there's no question. I mean, when you sign a contract that's worth two hundred thirty million dollars, and and you've been kind of touted as the face of the franchise, you're expected to live up to that, and and he's. You know, they've given him the keys to this franchise, paid him nearly a quarter billion dollars to do that. And certainly, you know, I, I don't even think the, the stuff with the contract and all that stuff, that was that, that was small potatoes. But I, I, I think now we're really getting into, you know, this is Kyler Murray's team. And, again, it was, you know, week one, it wasn't necessarily Kyler's fault. The defense, they fell behind so quick. 
I don't think anybody could have led them out of that hole. But, yeah, he's, I mean, you know, anytime that much trust is put into you, um, you know, it, it's up to you to produce. And so, yeah, I think Kyler's under a lot of pressure, even though I do think he's comfortable with the franchise. ESPN Radio 1100, uh, throw the flag live from the Treasure Island Sportsbook. And we got David Brandt, Cardinals writer for the AP. And, Dave, right now you look at Arizona, and you were just talking about how Kyler Murray is comfortable with the organization. But what about Cliff Kingsbury? Well, I mean, I think Cliff's in, you know, he's comfortable with the organization. Obviously, they've improved each year that combo has been together, you know, before Kyler Murray was drafted number one and they brought in Cliff Kingsbury. They were really bad back in 2018. So I, I think the slow improvement ha- has been good for Cliff and Kyler. Now, I think obviously Cliff is not being paid $230 million. So he would be the one that would be more expendable, I guess, than Kyler if things went totally off the rails. But I mean, you know, I, I think it's, it's the NFL. What have you done for me lately? I, I think that Cliff is relatively secure right now, um, but obviously a, a tough start would, would put that in jeopardy. Uh, you know, um, you had sent over some notes to me for, for the story I was working on on Chandler Jones, and um, I asked Chandler about the texting that was going on between um, Kingsbury and him this week, and, and, and Chandler said, yeah, he told me that he was going to double and triple team me and, and not to uh, – not to take, be offended by that, but, hey, if they want to do that, go ahead. I got a guy across from me named Max Crosby. Uh, let's start with Chandler. Just the character in the room, the, the high character in the room, the locker room. Um, how much does the organization miss him? What, what, what did you see in him when he, he was still there? Well, I think the defense obviously misses his production. Number one, 71 and a half sacks in, in six seasons, which is a franchise record. But, I mean, even more than that, He's just a guy, and you guys have noticed this with him being in Las Vegas. He's one of those guys that just adds a ton of energy into the room when he comes in. Everybody loves Chandler. Like, and, and the reason is because Chandler never seems to have a bad day. He's always in a good mood. He's always smiling. He works hard. You wouldn't know he was a future Hall of Famer necessarily from the way, you know, it's almost like day one. He works super hard on the practice field, doesn't have a lot of ego. Um, really, there's, you just – there's nothing bad you could say about him. But on top of that, he's really productive on the field. So I think, you know, his combination of productivity and then being a teammate that all those defensive guys can look up to, I, he's, he's a super valuable guy to have on your roster. So even with the loss of Chandler Jones, you got Arizona, they're ranking number one in quarterback pressures per drop back at 58.5%. And why will this defense be trouble for Derek, Derek Carr, considering he was sacked six times last week? Well, I mean, you know, the, the Cardinals' defense does have a lot of young talent and a lot of people who, who were able to get after the quarterback. They weren't, you know, Patrick Mahomes so good at avoiding pressure and, and getting out of situations that they were never able to get home with an actual sack. But with Dennis Gardeck, with Marcus Golden, those are guys that are real hungry. I think Marcus Golden is, is getting a little more healthy. He was a little banged up in the preseason. And then, you know, Isaiah... Isaiah Simmons, David Collins, Buda Baker, Jalen Thompson at safety. You know, they do have a lot of speed. They can get to the quarterback. They could, Everybody's kind of waiting for this new group to break out. Obviously, it didn't happen against the Chiefs. But um, I, I do think the defensive line, especially 
you know, with Lucky Foto, Rashard Lawrence, all those guys, they, they do have some options. They just need to produce. And you look at Arizona's wide receiving core. I mean, you lose A.J. Green for just for free agency, and then obviously DeAndre Hopkins not going to be with them for a few more weeks. Who has to step up for this receiving, t- this, this receiving core? Well, I mean, they really need Marquise Brown, Hollywood Brown, to, to step up and really show that connection with Tyler. I mean, he's sort of the, the number one option at this point. And then they have a guy named Greg Dorch, not, not very well known, but had seven catches in the opener. But really, I think if, if, if Arizona is going to be productive, they've got to use the tight end a little more. I mean, they, they do. That's one position where they actually have a surplus of talent with Zach Ertz, with Max Williams. Uh, their second-round draft pick, Trey McBride, if they make him eligible. I mean, they've got a lot of options there. So I, I really think the tight end position, plus to get Hollywood Brown involved, uh, you know, some Greg Dorch, all those different things. Like, I, I think there is something there, there, but there's no question. When you don't have DeAndre Hopkins on the field, it just changes things. I mean, he sucks up so much of the, the energy of the coverage of the room that they, they're still really trying to find themselves without him on the field. And on the other side of the ball, Cardinals secondary against Devontae Adams. I mean, you know, they got picked apart by Patrick Mahomes and the Chiefs in the opener. Um, and, and the thing is, they have to also be careful if they double-team Devontae because you got Darren Waller, you got Hunter Renfro. This is a dangerous uh, passing game that's going to be looking to make up for last week. Yeah, absolutely. And the, the, the Cardinals have two solid corners in Marco Wilson and uh, Byron Murphy Jr. The, the problem is they like to play Byron Murphy kind of inside a little more, but they don't really have that option right now because a couple of their other cornerbacks are banged up. Antonio Hamilton had that accident where he burned his feet in the kitchen, and so he's out for a few weeks. And so really they, they're just limited in what they can do. So Devontae Adams you know, causes problems for pretty much everybody. I, I think he's going to be a problem for the Cardinals. And so I, I think the – Obviously, if you're the Cardinals, you're trying to make sure Devontae just doesn't go nuts with like a 200-yard game. And then you're also trying to limit the other receivers and just see if you can. I don't think they're going to shut down the Raiders' passing game, but I think you've just got to make sure it doesn't go crazy like it did with the Chiefs. Once again, talking to David Brandt, AP sports writer out of Phoenix, covers the Arizona Cardinals. Here on ESPN, throw the flag with Gooch and Willie Ramirez. Um, so you're down there in Phoenix, Dave. So I got to ask you, let's transition for a minute because obviously, the hot topic down in Phoenix right now is um, Robert Sarver, Fe- uh, Sarver, Phoenix Suns owner. Um, the uh, MBPA executive director wants the NBA to ban him. We heard so many people come out and talk about it. Um, you're down there in Phoenix, and I just have to wonder. You know, right now we're seeing. NBA, we're seeing the NBA Players Association, we're seeing different components, even people within the Suns organization. When will it spread to the other organizations in Phoenix, or has it already speaking out about this person? Well, I mean, I, I, th- I don't know if the other organizations in Arizona are going to speak out, but I think the, the, the slow trickle of opposition from the players, you know, I, I think the NBA players have really found their voice on issues. Uh, the last several years. I I don't know how that's going to work if, like, you know, the Cardinals are going to speak out about it or or the Diamondbacks and different things. But um, I know the City Council of Phoenix has come across. There's already been business pressure with PayPal coming out releasing a statement. So, I mean, there's there's pretty widespread anger about this. So I'll, I'll be interested to see how this develops for the next couple weeks. 
Yeah, I'm actually interested to see. I haven't seen yet um, much talk, and I want to say I'm, I'm having to guess that the WNBA, the Phoenix Mercury, maybe they don't want to overshadow the finals, which we have a dandy of a, a, a now of a series now that Connecticut took game three. But, you know, talk about that organization with Brittany Griner situation, right, um, Tina Charles leaving. I just wonder where the Mercury will, if, if there'll be a statement. One of the most outspoken people, Natasha Cloud for the Mystics, she's actually on the call with the ESPN broadcast team, so I'm not sure when when we're going to hear from the WNBA. Has the Mercury said anything well, down there? Well, the Mercury, that's an interesting situation because, you know, Robert Sarver owns the Mercury. Right, right. But, you know, it, it's, it's all under one uniform. So, right. I, I, like, I still... I, I don't – that would be a very touchy situation. I, I do expect, like you said, the finals are going on. They may not overshadow that. They may be kind of getting their ducks in a row as far as the way they want to respond to everything. But it, it's it's definitely a tricky situation. So I, I do expect – because, I mean, I, I read the report. I'm sure you guys at least kind of browsed it. I mean, the, the, the stuff against women was, in a lot of ways, some of the worst stuff in the report. So I, I understand where you're coming from with WNBA. Um, we'll have to see what comes in the next couple weeks. But, yeah, I, you know, the Mercury silence is, is kind of interesting. All right, David. Well, we appreciate you spending some time with us here on a Saturday morning as we get ready for the Cardinals. I'm sure you'll be watching from a distance. And myself and, of course, AP colleague Greg Beecham will be on hand to deliver the, uh, deliver the post-game reports from Allegiant Stadium, Raiders and Cardinals. David Brandt joining us from Phoenix, AP Sports Writer. We appreciate it, Dave, and we'll catch up with you uh, soon. I think it's going to be a good one. You guys have fun watching it. All right, Take care. David, thanks. David Brandt, once again, AP Sports Writer, does a great job out of Phoenix covering the Cardinals. It's an interesting situation, Gooch, out of Phoenix with, this, uh, with Robert Sarver, the owner of the Suns, and, you know, the – misogynistic and racial comments. I mean, here we have another situation. It's just wild that it's borderline Donald Sterling, and then all of a sudden he gets one year and not a lifetime ban. And I think it's eventually going to come down because there's way too many people that are being outspoken about this. Well, especially the players. I mean, it's like, do you really want to own a team where your players are like, yeah, I'll give you my best shot. I understand that there's way more things that go into it. There's so much politics. But really, man, I mean – there, there's no way the Suns could be any any bit competitive if you got that if you could have that for an owner. Yeah. All right. Well, Gooch and Willie down here at Treasure Island uh, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. Uh, we are going to be here for another 45 minutes. I've got UNLV North Texas tickets if you want to stop by. But when we come back, we are. I think we're going to be able to catch up with Marcus Arroyo real quick before the game. So make sure you come back or, or stick around, listen because when we come back, Marcus Arroyo plus Gooch is going to be throwing the flag. The Westgate Las Vegas Resort and Casino is the place for football. Start your Sunday with us at the Superbook. Free parking, Bud Light girls serving up buckets of five beers for only $25. Plus great prizes every week, Sunday at the Westgate with ESPN Las Vegas. The 49ers head to the Mile High City to take on the Denver Broncos. Catch all the action Sunday starting at 4.30 on ESPN Las Vegas, 1100 AM and 100.9 FM. Brought to you by Finley Toyota. We're here for you. After 150 professional baseball games, it all comes down to this. 
the AAA Triple Championship Weekend at the Las Vegas Ballpark. On Friday, September 30th, the two top teams in the Pacific Coast League will battle it out in the PCL Championship game. On Saturday, October 1st, it's the International League Championship game. Then, the two league champions will meet for the AAA National Championship on Sunday, October 2nd. Get your tickets now at aviatorslv.com. Hey, I'm Andy. If you don't know me, it's probably because I'm not famous. But I did start a men's grooming company called Harry's. The idea for Harry's came out of a frustrating experience I had buying razor blades. Most brands were overpriced, overdesigned, and out of touch. At Harry's, our approach is simple. Here's our secret. We make sharp, durable blades and sell them at honest prices for as low as $2 each. We care about quality so much that we do some crazy things, like buy a world-class German blade factory. Obsessing over every detail means we're confident in offering a 100% quality guarantee. Millions of guys have already made the switch to Harry's, so thank you if you're one of them. And if you're not, we hope you give us a try with this special offer. Get a Harry starter set with a five-blade razor, weighted handle, shave gel, and a travel cover, all for just three bucks plus free shipping. Just go to harrys.com and enter code SPORTS at checkout. That's harrys.com, code SPORTS. Enjoy. Attorney Matt Hoffman with Battleborn Injury Lawyers. A common question we get is what to do when someone hits you but turns around and tells their insurance company it was your fault. Unfortunately, this happens all the time, especially if you just exchange information and the police don't come to the scene. Our advice? When you talk to the other driver, record it on your phone. It's perfectly legal to record conversations in Nevada, and it can save you a lot of hassle. If you've been injured anywhere in Nevada, call Battleborn Injury Lawyers at 766-1400. That's 766-1400. Guten Tag. For all auto repairs, I only trust one place with Meineke. Meineke Car Care. It is my favorite part of America. Better than corn dogs. Right now, get a basic oil change at Meineke for only $29.95. Meineke, doing car care right. Experience the excitement of Allegiant Stadium and the pageantry of college football with the UNLV Rebels this season. The next home game is September 17th. Single game tickets are on sale now. Visit UNLVTickets.com or call 702-739-FANS. Now, back to Throw the Flag. Hi, UNLV football coach Marcus Arroyo joining us on Throw the Flag. Marcus, we appreciate you uh, jumping on here. Game coming up in, well, just a couple of hours away. Um... You know, first, a couple of observations. Doug Brumfield, how have you seen this week in practice and his confidence level as he prepares for this game? Well, you know, that's, that's the thing about it's a, it's a little bit of a, um, a little bit of a deal there because, you know, you run into a, a really good defense. I knew it. I, I played against Justin and those guys for years, um, and, they, and they make it hard on quarterbacks, man. So I was kind of – I was excited. I was excited because, number one, I've been calling it really aggressively. Um, I continue to call it aggressively with our guys and him. Um, so he's going to be put in some situations where he's got to make some plays with his arm and, and be right and flip some protections and do some stuff. And he was challenged last week, um, which was really good. That's going to come to huge dividends for him as we go down, down the stretch. And some things that we bounced back from this week to get on tape to see and get out back to work. So uh, I'm excited for that, man. I was excited for, you know, you never want to, you never want to be able to say, dang, you left one out there because that game was up to the grabs. It was ours. Um, and, and we played, and he played imperfect. He knows that. But um, I'm excited for him to bounce back from a game like that um, against a, a really, really good defense that was, and, and against another good defense now that's going to that's going to pressure and, and uh, has proven that they, they can win some ball games. So uh, I'm fired up with Doug, man. I think there's got a long road ahead, and uh, our guys around him got to do their job too. Speaking of North Texas's defense, you know they they've gotten uh, into a couple of high-scoring games, and now they're going to come to Allegiant Stadium where. 
you know, your defense showed up against Idaho State and realistically did show up against Cal if they're trying to get into a shootout, it almost plays into your hands because the defense has been the consistent point of this team through the first two weeks. And, hey, the way Doug played the first week, we saw, hey, you want to get into a shootout, we can do that. Yeah, no, they've done a great job. We got to a little slow start, I mean, collectively there last week. But, I mean, they've stopped the run. They're obviously doing a really job getting really good job getting at the quarterbacks. And they got a handful of guys with sacks. And they're third in the, third in the nation right now with, with sacks per game. Um you know, they're getting turnovers. They're being stingy in the red zone. They made, they've made good adjustments. Um, I think they're improved tackling. I think that uh, on the back end, if we can stay disciplined and they can keep playing with that good violence and that, and that good 11-man string, man, uh, I'm excited as these guys continue to develop. And, and, and obviously, we got a tough one here with North Texas, the way they want to run the ball and be explosive. All right, Marcus, we're going to let you go. We appreciate it. You know you got a game coming up in a couple hours. Thanks for joining us on Throw the Flag. You got it. Appreciate you, Willie. Hangman is coming down from the gallows and I don't have very long. Throw the flag back again. Golden Circle Sportsbook. Treasure Island. Gooch Willie Ramirez. That's the throw the flag segment. This is where we find some stories that we might disagree with and we're going to let you know about. Uh, first one we're going to jump right into, Urban Meyer. Well, can I ask you, have you ever seen a more disgraced coach? Somebody who started off, I mean, there was a minute where people were saying he could have been one of the greatest young coaches college football has ever seen. I mean, his, his record when he came into college football is unparalleled. It was amazing. Whatever happened in Jacksonville is, like, laughable. And now there's rumors that Urban Meyer may be taking over for Scott Frost at Nebraska. What do you think about this? I mean, these are college players. I just don't. I, I, that's just it. Is the selling point is going to be because he, he, he didn't excel at the NFL level, but he did at the college level. But I think when you look now at how he's treated personnel and when it's come about what he's done behind the scenes – um, I just, I'm just not with it. I'm just not on board. You know, there still were question marks and things that he did at Ohio State. I just, I don't like, I, I don't think that Urban Meyer deserves this, like, this fast turnaround. Now, I'm not saying nobody deserves a second chance, prove yourself, so on and so forth, but it's like that quick of a turnaround, they're grasping at straws just to sort of return to supremacy like the Tom Osborne days. And I just, I'm just not buying it that Urban Meyer's the guy this quick out of everything that took place at Jacksonville. And quite frankly, you know, the little, they're not even little. I mean, you know, things that he did at Ohio State. So I, I don't like it. Not even just Ohio State. Keep in mind, Aaron Hernandez played for him at Florida. Yeah. So, I mean, it's like there's all types of weird stories involving Urban Meyer. And then you see a picture of him on a bar stool in Ohio with a woman that's not his wife. How is he supposed to look at a, a, some parents that he's trying to convince, hey, you want your kid to come work for me? I'm going to make sure that this guy grows up to be a man who's going to respect people and grow up the right way. It's yeah. like, Urban, come on, man. Know your place, dude. Just walk away. Go into the sunset. Just like Willie was saying, take five or six years off and then come back. And then maybe you might be onto something. Now, <laughs> I don't know what it is with the I UK. I don't know where the heck you found this one. I don't know where it is with the UK, but you will always see some weird stuff. Remember a couple weeks ago we brought up the, uh, the story involving the rugby player who put his fingers in another player's bum? Sure. Yeah? yeah. And that was on video? Yep. 
Uh, when this one, I guess it's it's more of the same. It's like, so Brighton Shane Duffy, who's one of their star players, uh, he has revealed one of the more bizarre superstitions in all of soccer. He's got a lucky toilet. Mm. So what he does is when he wa- arrives at a <laughs> an away dressing room, he finds out like which toilet suits him the most, and that's the one he will use for the rest of the day, and he does that all game long when he plays for the Premier League. What is he hoping to get out of this? Like, I understand if you wear something. Like, you know, Michael Jordan, we all know, used to wear the North Carolina shorts. Is this the North Carolina shorts type of situation? Like, dropping a deuce? I, I don't know if this has anything to do with North Carolina shorts. I mean, we're not, I'm not comparing. I'm not giving this guy the, the – uh, I'm not giving him the, uh, the pleasure of a Michael Jordan comparison in any way, shape, or form. I mean, I know that people have their superstitions. I don't know. I mean – this is a superstition. This isn't like a lucky. See, a lucky toilet would be like if it was his home stadium and then it's his commode and nobody is allowed to, uh, you know, use it other than him. Yeah. This is a superstition. Going into a visiting stadium, finding the exact same one, or finding the exact one and then using it. I mean, what if somebody else uses it while he's on the field? That's what I'm saying. So, so it's a superstition. It's not luck. It's no. He's getting the flag thrown. Yeah, it's more. It's it's almost like he's using this toilet almost like a. Uh, Serrano did in Major League with Joe Boo. You know, yes. it's like that's yes. what it is. Is he lighting some incense? Is he lighting some candles? Really trying to soak it in. We're going to stay in the UK, uh, which <laughs> I've seen a couple of stories that are coming out of the UK. They must be bored over there because apparently the annual World Gravy Wrestling Championship is taking place. Just as interesting. Yes. More than 1,200 spectators show up to cheer on their favorites and they split it up. So you got. Men wrestling each other in gravy, women wrestling each other in gravy, and they even extend it to the children. Is this a family affair? I, I'm not even going to throw the flag on this. I actually, I'm with this. Mm-hmm. I, I like it. I mean, we have, we have all sorts of different wrestling in, in the United States. Then you got your mud wrestling, mm-hmm. right? And then you have the exploitation of women when they do the mud wrestling, like in bars, like Wednesday nights, whatever, right? This, as you said, is a family affair. It's in gravy for Christ. Yeah. I mean, who? That's this is fantastic. I'm with this. Right. It's a family affair in which, yes, everybody's welcome. Around 20 men, 10 women, they go head-to-head in a pool of gravy for two minutes each and bid to try to become champions. It's almost like the Royal Rumble. Yes, yes, but tastier, you know? There you go. I mean, I'm not saying that I want to taste this gravy after people have been wrestling in it, but... If some gets in your mouth while you're wrestling, you're probably not going to be mud. too upset. It's exactly. Than mud. You know, and the thing is too is you were talking about you know mud, and then they got the Jello wrestling. You were saying the exploitation of women. You can't exploit anybody when they're covered in gravy, this is can all in you? Good, this is all in good fun. It's just good fun. You know what? More condiments. I want mustard wrestling. Get that going. All's fair in love and gravy. Let it happen. You know what? And why not drop some some stuffing on top of these people? Let it rip. And then here's my other favorite. Okay. The wife-carrying world championship. This takes place in Finland, and it's celebrating its 20th anniversary. (laughs) It took place in pouring rain, and 60 couples from all over the world took place in the wife-carrying competition. What it is is there's a starting line, the wife jumps on their back, and the guy runs. Hmm. Yeah. Can this start fights? I see nothing but potential fights starting here with the wife-carrying championship. Well, fights between the couples, like, I think that someone might get mad. Like, you know, how come you didn't carry me across the finish line? I, I don't know if it's going to cause fights among couples. 
like like a couple against another couple, but maybe between husband and wife because that's what I'm talking about. Oh yeah, okay. Because yeah. like, like, what if what if the wife went through this training, like you know, um, like I'm gonna lean out, I'm gonna we're gonna we're gonna do this together. Like you're gonna bulk up, you're in, I'm gonna lean out, and I'm gonna get down to you know this weight, and you're gonna get up to this weight, and then you're gonna carry me, and then you lose. Right. Like That's all a lot that of work. training we did, and I cut all this weight, and you bulked up, and then you couldn't even carry me across the finish line. There's no way we should have lost to the whomever's. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, especially with the wife, though, too. It's like, so she's going to go out there, slim out like a jockey. Yes. You, you ever hear the horror stories that jockeys have to do so they can get on their horse? Yeah. And not, right? It's like, I could just see some, some woman doing this to herself because she's so hungry for victory. And then her slow-ass, lazy husband doesn't get her across the finish I line mean, in just time. The, the, the Heikinens are mad at the Neemans who are mad at the Corhonens because... They just, they, you know, and, 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 and it just messes up Christmas dinner. Yeah, yeah, Christmas dinner and uh, many other dinners as well. What would you, if you were looking at the wife carrying championship, what would be the way you would handicap that sport? I would, I would start looking at the husband's calves. That would be like the first thing. I'm like, how much does this guy look yeah. like? Is I think, I think the biggest mistake, like when you talk about public betting versus sharp betting, mm-hmm. like the sharp, like the public betting would be like, oh, they got the tiniest wife. Yeah, so, yeah. But see, that would be the that would be the the square betting. That would be the first thing you would think that would be. But I agree with you. Like the sharp betting would be like, well, I want to look at the foundation. Like who's doing the carry, mm-hmm. right? Because it doesn't matter. Like you could have, you could have somebody. You know, uh, the, uh, uh, a wife that may weigh 120, but you could have some of the weighs 130, and there's really not that much difference because of the muscle that they carry, the body fat percentage. It's all about what's underneath the calves, God. the back muscles. Yeah, we're going to be looking at the husbands in this. We're going to be yeah, judging we, them we, like horses. We need, we need it, to find, breeding. We need to talk to the Treasure Island Sports to see if we can get some <laughs> wagers on this because this is something we need to. We maybe need to research. Bring it to America. Circle back and see if we can get some betting right here, and that way we can bring it back up next week. Good stuff. To, to, this week we're trying to make america better with this good good stuff good stuff all right listen when we come back throw the flag on espn gooch and willie we hopefully will be catching up with former raider the all-time sack leader in franchise history greg townsend that's coming up next on throw the flag now back to throw the flag well the one thing that uh, we established with uh, al davis the players did is that the guy would pay for performance. That's the how that's how we label. <laughs> the guy will pay for performance. So if you perform, you will get paid. The sounds of Greg Townsend talking about Al Davis a couple years ago. Greg Townsend, the all-time sack leader. We're hoping that we can catch up with him. Um, he's gonna check in with us. Hopefully, hopefully, hopefully. Um, but it is time for that Raider chat, that Raider conversation, that Raider talk that we have every single week. Um, they come in 0-1. So does Arizona, Gooch. Um, disappointing loss, obviously, in week one. They go down to L.A. And, you know, for as bad as it looks, especially statistically, um, they, they, they were in it right they were to in it. And now, you know, now I think they're going to come out pretty uh pretty angry um and and this is a team that plays with a lot of pride and you know the history of this this organization the tradition of this organization especially with the way that they lost last week someone who can speak to this about 
somewhat, you know, coming out with pride, especially there's earlier in the season when there's a, a lot of promise with what, you know, for the 2022-23 season is legendary defensive end from the Raiders organization when it was in Oakland, Greg Townsend. Greg is up with us on Throw the Flag with Gooch and Willie. Sir, how are you today? Gooch and Willie, how's everybody out there today? Oh, man, everybody is fired up because it is a sports-filled weekend. We have UNLV football today. We have Canelo Triple G tonight. And then tomorrow, the home opener for the Las Vegas Raiders. And if there's anybody that can talk about what it means, the tradition of this organization on home opening day or home home opening night, it is yourself. The electricity that you can remember on home openers, Greg, tell us about that. Well, I mean, home openers are are the key to establish who you are as a team. You go out there and you play your best and see if that's going to be the the, the continuity of our team is uh, did we do turnovers? Did we do? Uh, did we make plays when we have to, and things of that nature, so we can figure out uh, do uh, at, at our best play did we play better? And that's what's going to be our identity. So you try to establish your identity from there. The first game. All right, we're speaking with Greg Townsend, former Raider, the all-time sack leader, 107 and a half sacks as a Raider. Um, you know, during Alumni Weekend, I, I I mentioned this to a lot of Hall of Famers, Marcus Allen, Mike Haynes, Fred Belitnikoff, how much the current roster, Greg, the many of the younger guys, that they embrace that history and tradition of the Raiders' brotherhood. I use that word because I heard it a lot, and I found it interesting that they actually embrace and know that when Greg Townsend speaks of the definition of Raiders Brotherhood, what what comes to mind for you? Um, when I when you speak to that to me, I think of all the older players that embraced me when I got to the team. I mean, um, it was like um, a family. Uh, they wanted you to do well. They 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 cheered you on. They um, they tried to help you in any kind of fashion of the game that they could help you with. And that was what brotherhood meant to me uh, when I hear that word from uh, the Raider Nation. ESPN Radio 1100, we were speaking with all-time Raider sack leader Greg Townsend. And, you know, you're currently 24th on the NFL's NFL's all-time list for career sacks with 109 and a half. And a master of the craft. What are your thoughts on the current Raiders pass rush right now? you got Max Crosby. you got Chandler Jones. We're excited about Chandler Jones in his first year with the Raiders. What is your take, especially since you played the same position? I, I'm, uh, now, now, when, when I'm going to talk, I think some people think that the game uh, is evolving where I don't – where, where, where when I talk, it's like, no, they used to do that. They don't do that no more. But what I'm going to say is this. With Max, I was watching the pass rush last week uh, against uh, the Chargers with Max and uh, uh, Chandler Jones. And what I kept seeing them guys do, they were losing their pass rush lanes, which was allowing uh, 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 the quarterback for the Chargers to step outside and get an open look at the field. Those mm-hmm. guys got to stay in their pass rush lanes, so when the guy do drift their way, there's somebody there. They would take an inside route. And to me, I, I, never, I never hardly ever took an inside route to the quarterback. I always stayed outside and bent the, bent the corner and allow Howie and our tackles to, to, to take on anything that steps up. If I can make the quarterback step up, 
that's for them. They, they can push the quarterback back in the pocket. That's for me. So we had an organized pass rush that we knew where our other guys was going to be. And I saw that last week, that that was one of the breakdowns that they kept having. Now, these breakdowns, are these, can these be fixed easily? Oh, no doubt. They can be fixed. They can be fixed without a doubt. And uh, they could be fixed as soon as uh, the coach would say, hey, stay in your outside lane, just like that. And uh, I think that's where they need to do. And, and, and I think that, like you said, it could be fixed. All-time sack. And especially gets a guy like Kyrie Irving that's coming in. Uh, uh, Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray. Kyler Murray, yeah. <laughs> especially with a quarterback like him. You have to keep your lanes because yeah. he's going to eventually come in your lane. Yeah. Speaking with all-time Raiders sack leader Greg Townsend on ESPN, throw the flag with Gooch and Willie. So let me ask you on the other side of the ball, when you watch this offensive line, which last year had its struggles and obviously Lee had struggles last week, when you see what, it, as a defensive end, watching what they're doing, and you're going, I would, I would eat that up all day long. I would do this. I would do that. What does the offensive line need to do to shore things up to protect Derek Carr? That's a good question because uh, those guys stayed in their pass rush lanes, uh, Max and uh, uh, Joey Bosa. They stayed in their pass rush lanes, and they attacked uh, Carr from the outside to the end because the tackles kept their lanes as well. So with that, I think what they need to do is start doing uh, what we call organized scrambles uh-huh. where Derek can roll out to his right or to his left, but it's organized where you could hem one of those ends up inside and Derek can get outside of that and take a good look at the field as well. So I think an uh, organized scramble or sprint pass could, could fix that. So, Greg, when, when we came back to this segment, I, I played a clip from a couple of years ago, and you it, it's it's on YouTube. But you were talking about Al Davis, and, and it, I found one of it one of the portions of it interesting. In, in that, you know, he has no problem paying the money, but you're going to come out and play to your potential to get paid that money. And he is somebody who, you know, he set some standards in the NFL when it came to you know, minorities, when it came to to women, when it came to the players and caring for Can you just tell us how Al Davis had a, an impact on your life? Um, well, one, he drafted me. And, you know, I came out of college. I was a small defensive end. So uh, I thought I was going to be drafted and play outside linebacker or something. But they stuck to their guns and kept me as a defensive end. And uh, Coach Earl Leggett, along with uh, Al Davis, the um uh, I mean, coached me up. I mean, they really coached me up to where I, I know I came out of college with one move, and they coached me up to where I had seven. So that's where that impact came. And and I think where it came with me and Al is uh, it was this kind of uh, uh, telepathic kind of no, notion we were talking to each other. Uh, I knew I was his pass rush. Put it like that. I knew I was his pass rusher. And I knew if I did my job, he was going to pay me. And that's just how it just went with him and I. There's a few times him and I met and visited with each other, and he just thought, I think he thought the world of me, and I thought the world of him. Um, He knew a lot about my past. I knew a little bit about his past. So it was that kind of deal that we had when we were talking that I understood from what he wanted from me, and I understood how I was going to get 
some money out of him. It's <laughs> <laughs> the way to be. Bill. I like that. You should teach a marketing class with that. I like it. Yeah, and 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 like I said, Al didn't care what color you were in any kind of fashion. He he just loved football players, and if you played for him, he pay he'll pay you. Right on. We're speaking with legendary defensive end Greg Townsend right here on ESPN Radio 1100. So. Again, let's go back to tomorrow's game where the uh, Vegas Raiders are taking on the uh, Arizona Cardinals. Last week, they only ran the ball 13 times. When you were watching the game, did that stand out? I understand they fell behind early, but 13 times? Come on. No, that didn't stand out. What stood out, it seemed like they were targeting uh, Adams, and it seemed like he was always in double coverage, and they were forcing that. And so I was thinking – that's something that's that's a problem. If, if you know, we we got Renfro on the other side, and we have Waller over there, and Waller had some big catches. Yeah. But at the same time, I understand what you're saying that run. But I, I thought we ran the ball pretty good too. I thought the runners ran pretty good. But I guess with 13 times, I I didn't see that. I I didn't see how much we ran or how less we ran. I just saw that we ran when we had to, and we did some pretty good stuff with that. And uh, with the passing, I thought they just getting so much pressure on us. You're right about Devontae Adams. I mean, but oh, he's that shiny toy, and we definitely got yeah, to see yeah, it put right. on display. So, right. so. <laughs> we want to see it happen, don't we? And you know what? And honestly, it, it, I, this also could benefit us down the road because if they think that all Derek Carr is going to do is just zero in on Devontae the entire time, then maybe things will be wide open for uh, you know Renfro and Waller in the middle. You're right, and and you know what's so so weird about this game coming up, two guys. I don't know if you you got you catch that. Now Derek Carr is throwing to his ex college teammate uh, right. Uh, Adams, right? But uh, so is uh, uh, Murray. He's throwing to yes. his college wide receiver yes. as well. Yeah. <laughs> so it's that's I I think that's going to be interesting, and and they both seem to be targeting these guys that they used to play with in college. Well, I expect a, a lively crowd. We're speaking with Greg Townsend, legendary defensive end, all-time sack leader for the Raiders franchise here on Throw the Flag with Gooch and Willie on ESPN Las Vegas. Um, and, Greg, I expect a lot. I don't know if you've been, you know, obviously 2020, there weren't any crowds in, in Allegiant Stadium. Last year was the first year if you've been here yet. But my thought, I, I'd like to know your thoughts. I mean, you were with the Raiders when they went to L.A. You finished in Oakland, but the heyday in L.A., you won a Super Bowl championship. What are your thoughts on the Raiders being in Las Vegas? Oh, my, I think Las Vegas is the perfect place for them. And I love what the um, hockey team, the Knights, and the, uh, the Aces is doing. And I want the Raiders just to do just as well as they're doing because I yeah. think that is what they're down there for is to make it all uh, happen because it's, it's, it's so electrifying out there. And, and uh, it's better than L.A in my opinion, and it's, it's just electrifying, and I just think everybody feel that buzz when they go out there, that, that electricity. And that's coming from that's coming from an L.A. guy, Dominguez High School in Compton, California. Um, so, I mean, you hear it there. I mean, the, you know, to, to, to sort of put your stamp of approval for the impact you had on this franchise is, is really special because you're talking to someone who's been in this town since 1972. So I remember when all we had was the UNLV running Rebel. So, uh, yeah, it's, it's, it's wild to, have, to think that, we, that just about five, six years ago, the NFL wouldn't even let the convention authority in Vegas buy a commercial on the, for the Super Bowl. You're right, and it is mind-blowing, and it's, it's kind of weird to wrap your mind around, which, like you said, three years ago, 
we know no way that's going to happen. Right. <laughs> Somebody would brought that up. It's like no way that's going to happen. For, for us now to see that it took place in now three years, it's going to. It's, it's, I'm just wanting the Raiders just to do well because Vegas is a town that the sports people do well there. And who? Why you can't compliment the Knights and the Ace and then the Raiders? I yeah. just, I just that part to me just going to turn that place into a. a a winner, a winner town per se. Greg, we, we're up against it, but I got one more question for you before we let you go because, you know, the impact that Al Davis had on you, and you mentioned the Aces, you obviously have seen Mark Davis from a younger age grow into this powerful businessman and sports owner because he owns the Aces. He brought in a woman president, right? The first mm-hmm. minority woman president of the NFL. He's got a woman minority president of the Aces, a woman general manager, a woman basket, you know, the coach. <laughs> I mean, you talk about making a statement. Mark Davis is really making an impact for everybody in Las Vegas. I, I mean, he might be one of the best, if not the best sports owners in the country. And here, that was uh, a takeoff from his dad. His dad was one of the best, too. Uh, you ask any player that was playing during that time that Al Davis was alive, they all wanted to play for him. They all asked me questions about what is it like to play with Al and this and that. And it was it was fun telling them them stories and stuff like that. So with Mark now taking over the helm, I think he's just going to kick this up a whole nother notch. And I'm loving it. I'm loving everything he's doing out there. Greg Townsend, former Raider, legend, the all-time sack leader. You have 107.5 sacks with the Raiders. Chandler Jones has 107 in his career. I have 12 more in postseason as well Well, with the Raiders. So Chandler has some work to do. But, Greg, we appreciate you spending some time with us this morning. Look forward to tomorrow's game. I know you'll be watching, and we hope to catch up with you down the road. Thank you, guys, and y'all have a good day. Day And go Raiders. Go Raiders. Greg Townsend joining us. That's a great, great spot. Former Raider jumping on here with Gooch and Willie. Throw the flag, ESPN. When we come back, we're going to close up shop for the day. We're going to catch up with Chris Chapman before he starts his UNLV pregame show. The final flag. Got to let that kick in. Got to let the brass monkey kick in before we start talking. Once again, throw the flag back again. Wrapping things up for the uh, Treasure Island Golden Circle Sportsbook. Gooch, Willie Ramirez, UNLV. The BC Boys. UNLV is getting ready to play tonight, so why don't we talk to Christopher Chapman, who runs the UNLV pregame show. What's going on, Chap? Not, not much. I actually listened to that song on my way over to Allegiant Stadium today, so I'm just kind of chuckling a little bit when I heard it come on. I'm like, oh, I, I just heard that. Were, uh, you, were I, you a little upset that we cut you off, that we cut off the song? Yeah, yeah. You just <laughs> let it flow. Let it flow. I built that rejoin, and I said, there's only, you know, I... There's only a few people that can appreciate old school hip hop. When I DJed, and 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 uh, Chris is one of the few that can have a, a, a conversation and keep it flowing for several minutes, not just a couple of songs. Ah, yes. Yeah, so, yeah. I try, I try. But so, Paul's Boutique, I thought, was a better album than Life is Ill. Yeah. Don't hate me. Hot yep. take. Yep. Hot take. So, so Chris, you have the pregame show coming up. Uh, UNLV, North Texas. Big opponent here. Two weeks ago, the Mean Green lost by 38 to SMU. Then they dropped 59 on Texas Southern. Any idea the disparity in performances, what happened, and what they're going to offer up to UNLV this week? Yeah, I, I, I'll throw in, too, they blew out UTEP 
on the road in El Paso in week one. Uh, last two weeks, I believe, were at home. Uh, I'm not really sure what happened in the SMU game. I, I, I don't really know if SMU was as good as that score, but uh, they, took it to, they took it to North Texas in that one. Uh, the rebound last week against Texas Southern, that's an FCS school, so uh, subdivision team there uh, out of the SWAC. So it's a bit like looking at UNLV's performance against Idaho State and saying, oh, well, this is going to be the norm for the season. I don't really feel like that's the norm. For, for North Texas, look, they're a good team, uh, balanced offensive attack, but they have some weak spots, including in the secondary on the defensive side of the ball, and I think, I think that's a big strength for UNLV because Doug Rumfield likes to throw the ball around. So who is going to be the biggest difference maker for the UNLV defense? Uh, I feel like it's going to start with a defensive line. North Texas likes to run the ball, but if they can get pressure on the quarterback, uh, his name is Austin Ane. Uh, Adam Plant Jr., I feel, is going to be the guy to have a big game. And also watch for linebacker Austin Ajake. Uh, these are probably the two best defensive players for UNLV. And they're going to need to have a big game because, as I said, North Texas, a pretty good team running the ball. They have a two-headed attack at running back. But Ane is able to toss the ball around a little bit if he needs to. Uh, so it's going to start with a defensive line play. And then, of course, if they're able to run the ball and they get to that second and third level of the defense, that could be a problem for the Rebels. All right, well, there you have it. A little breakdown, but that's just the beginning. We, Gooch and your, myself, yours truly, Willie Ramirez, live from Treasure Island, Golden Circle Sportsbook and Bar. We are throwing the flag, and I am handing the ball off in true football fashion to Magnum for Mateo and Stace and Doug and Lindsey back in the booth. We are handing the ball to Magnum as the UNLV pregame show. Kickoff's in about an hour, so stick around here on ESPN as Chris Chapman will take over for you and preview UNLV North Texas. Gooch and I are back next week. Throw the flag at Treasure Island. You better.